Once again, welcome, welcome, welcome to uh, Big Valley Grace, especially if you're here for the uh, very first time. I'm, I'm glad you're, you're, you're with us. Uh, I told you last weekend, if you were here, we, we were going to do a video, and we shot this video, and we put it all together, and, and it's a little long, and we had the choir here and all the stuff, so we're, we're, we're going to save it for a while. It was just kind of a building uh, update of where we're at. The new road is now open, all the lights are on, and all that kind of stuff, and um, so, so I know I told you I was going to do this building thing, and we... Trust me, we spent a lot of time filming. It just got it just a little bit long. And, um, and so we decided uh, we're, we're going to show it to you. But the big news is, is that the road's open. That's all you, you need to know. We've got the road open out there, and it's uh, really great. And, man, everything's kind of coming along really well. I did get a lot of emails about Tully, the widening of Tully. And uh, yes, the widening of Tully is all included in phase one that's already been paid for, but we're not going to get there for at least six, eight months, and it could be longer depending on weather and all of the things. And so, yes, Tully will be widened, and the main entrance will be um, uh, Schneider Avenue right there, but there, there, there's no video. Okay, so the other day I'm out shopping. And uh, I've shared with you guys many, many times the three gifts, the, the gold gift, the, the frankincense gift, and the myrrh gift. We, we give our kids three gifts. That's all they get. They get a gold gift, they get a frankincense gift, and they get a myrrh gift. And each of them kind of correspond to the gifts that the wise men uh, would have brought Jesus when he was uh, uh, a child. And it keeps things pretty simple. The, the gold gift is kind of their fun gift. The, the frankincense gift is uh, kind of a, a spiritual gift. And the myrrh gift is something that goes on the body. It could be a new outfit, a hat. It could be a coat or something like that. So our kids get three gifts. My wife gets three gifts from me, uh, a gold and a frankincense and a myrrh gift. I get three gifts. And we just keep it super Super simple in our home. We don't spend a lot of money, but the gifts all have some sort of meaning uh, to them. And uh, but we do have little stockings, and we go out and we, you know, buy little things to fill the stockings and stuff like that. And so that's the one thing that I do uh, really for my wife is I go to a store and I buy little things and I put them in a in a stocking and all that. So I was at the one store I always go to. Okay, I go shopping like once a year. And it's the same store. It's a great family in our church. has this beautiful store. I go there, and I buy little things and whatever. And, and uh, the, the gal says to me, would you like a gift receipt? Okay. Um, a gift receipt, for those of you that, I don't know, you've been living in a cave. Um, <laughs> is a receipt that's different than a regular receipt. They, they give it to you, but it doesn't have the price on it, what you paid for all the gifts, and then you include it in the gift. That way, when you give the gift to somebody, whoever's gonna get the gift, and they open it, and then they lie to you and say, this is fantastic, this is beautiful, I love it, it's fantastic, and then you never see it again, it's because they go back to the store, as long as they got that gift receipt, and then they they, they exchange it for something better or something more useful. But they never get to, you know, don't have to know what the price is on, on, on the thing. So you get these gift receipts. And so I got in my car and 
I was driving along and I, I thought, you know, I just kind of thought to myself that that's kind of what we celebrate this time of year. We, we, we really celebrate the greatest gift exchange ever, God's gift exchange. Now, now here's how it works. We, we bring to God our worst. We bring to God all of our crud, all of the stuff, and God exchanges it for something way better, something way more useful. He, he exchanges it for something really, really beautiful. And, and here's the deal, let, let, let me give you the biggest example of what I'm talking about. I'm gonna take us back to our study of, of Romans. In Romans chapter three, the Bible says, for everyone has sinned. You can look around in here, all these kids, and oh, you parents know, they're sinners. You got that one down. Uh, everybody's a sinful person. That's one of the things we all have in common in this room. We're all sinful. We all fall short of God's glorious standard, and his standard is perfection. If you wanna hang out with God, you wanna do life with God, you wanna end up in heaven, you gotta be perfect. Because if God lets sinful people up there, like, like us, then it would take, I don't know what, 30 seconds for heaven to be just as goofed up and as messed up as planet Earth is. So there's no way that God is going to let heaven become like Earth. And so the only way we're ever gonna be with him and hang out with him and do life with him in heaven is we got this problem called sin that has to be dealt with. And the Bible clearly say, says that we've all sinned, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. Yet God freely and graciously declares that we are righteous. And he did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for our sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. In other words, something unbelievable happens. A great exchange takes place when we go to God and say, hey God, here's what I got. I got my sin and my junk and my crud. All this that has separated me from you and I'm, I'm humbling myself before you. I'm gonna submit my life to you. You're gonna become the CEO of my life. It's, it's your will that now matters, not mine. And so I'm surrendering my life over to you. And at that moment, the great exchange takes place. And you're now made right with God. In 1 John chapter one, it says, if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. That's just a, 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 another way of describing this great exchange that takes place. If we will confess our sins, an exchange happens. And he comes into our lives and he cleanses us from our sins. So, so the great exchange is you come to Jesus and give him your sin and disobedience and Jesus exchanges it for his cleansing and his forgiveness, okay? And without a doubt, this is the greatest, you know, exchange policy ever. 
But when you read through the scriptures, you find that there are tons of these types of great exchanges. And, and I want to take a look at, at at least two, maybe three of them here uh, tonight. And, and they're super, super uh, appropriate, I, I think, for this time of year. Number one, here, here we go. You come to Jesus and give him your anxiety and, and your worry, and Jesus exchanges it for his peace. The Bible says this in Philippians chapter 4. God's word says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is a great exchange here. We come to God and we give him our worry, we give him our anxiety and all the things that get us all doofed up inside and he exchanges it with his peace. His peace. Not the peace that you find in a bottle of Jack Daniels or Jim Dean, you know, Bean. Not, not, not the peace that you'll find when you get inebriated or you smoke some weed. Not, not that kind of peace. By the way, that'll bring you some peace. But this great exchange is way different. In this exchange, you get to stay in your right mind. And it's a peace that guards your, your hearts and, and your minds. It's a way different kind of peace. Peter said this in 1 Peter chapter 5. He says, give all your worries and cares to God. And why would we do that? because he cares about you. Peter got it, he knew it. He hung out with Jesus for three plus years. He understood how much God cared about human beings. God cares about you, he cares about what you're worried about, he cares about all the things that have got you anxious, he cares about what you're going through right now and he cares more than you could ever imagine. Beloved, this is one of the reasons why the, the Bible was written. It was written to let us know that God cares about us. That's why this was written. So that you would understand how much God cares about you. And you see that right in the opening chapters, right? Chapters one and two, God creates everything and he creates you out of the dust of the ground and he breathes into your nostrils the breath of life and you become a living being. And God says, man, I'm gonna take care of you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just take care of everything you could possibly imagine in all of your life. Just stay away from that one tree, Adam. Right from the very outset, we see a God who cares deeply about us and then in Genesis chapter three, you know, man, Adam sins and says, God, I don't want you to take care of me. I want to do life on my own. And sin enters into the world. And you see right there God caring because now God has to go do something really horrible. Blood is going to be shed. God kills an animal and gives to Adam and Eve some, you know, loincloths that are all put in all the right places. Literally, the Bible is a book that just screams at us, you know, how, how much God cares uh, about us. 
Beloved, this season, the Christmas season, is all about a God that sent his son to planet Earth to shout to us in the loudest way possible two words. I care. I care. When you come to Jesus and say, God, here are all the things that I've, that I, you know, have got me all worried and goofed up and anxious. Here's what I'm facing. Here's what I'm feeling. Here's what's stressing me out. Here's what's going on in my life. Here's what's got me all bound up inside. God in return says, because you've come to me and are trusting me with all of your worries and all the things that have got you goofed up, I'm now going to exchange it with my peace. And my peace is way different than the world's peace because it actually will guard your hearts. It'll guard your mind. Here's the deal. There's not one person here that doesn't struggle with worrying and, and anxiousness because it's a part of the human condition, all because of what took place in Genesis chapter three. And when you get to this time of year, it seems to be heightened, if, if you will. I mean, when you think about all the things we try to pull off, Partying, right? This time of year, we go to more parties and throw more, more parties than just about any other time of the year, right? For every one party I say yes to, I'm saying no to 10. It's unbelievable how many people have parties. And not only do you have to go to some of those parties, but you've probably thrown some of those parties. Then you got all the Christmas cards. In the midst of all these parties that we're, we're hosting or going to, someone decided, I don't know, Hallmark, that we needed to send little notes, Christmas cards out to everybody we've ever met in our lives, right? And then somebody came up with that idea that we're gonna write a little letter and lie to everybody about how great our family is and how great you know, 2016 was, right? We all do that. I'm just waiting for someone to send a letter with a family picture that says, you know what, this year was really stinks and, and man, if, I hope if I got another year like this, man, you know, forget it. <laughs> I, I always read those and go, wow, how come we didn't have a year like that? It's crazy. Then we redecorate as if going to all these parties and mailing Christmas cards wasn't enough for whatever reason, we decided to transform both the insides of our homes and the outside of our homes to these lighted winter Christmas wonderlands. Today, I was up putting lights up in, in my house. It's raining and I, I, you know, I'm no good at this. Man. I don't know anything about anything, man. I just, just, I, I just get up there and I go down there and I just, I got, I got little things, whatever those things are, I got them all over the edges of my house. Cause I know, and then at the end of the year, just and I just leave them up there. And let me just tell you what happens. It never fails. It happened this year. And I go down, I move the ladder down, and I go down, I move the ladder down, and then my, my thing goes right into the wire. And then the, they're all out. It's like, oh man. And I don't know how to fix it. I don't know how to fix it. So here's the deal they're up. <laughs> so I got a part of it done. I don't, I, I don't know what the light ain't on, but who cares? They look super good in the daytime. Unbelievable crazy. Then we got gifts, right? Somehow between all the parties and sending out all the cards and redecorating our homes and all the stuff. So we got to drive around town, right? Fight all the traffic and, and buy gifts for everybody. Then we bake. And the reason why we bake is because you got nothing else to do, right? With all the free time you got. <laughs> it's just crazy what we do. And then there's vacation, right? 
I mean, right in the middle of all this craziness, somehow somebody decided in the schools, let's give the kids two weeks off. <laughs> oh, man. It's crazy what we do this time of year. Some of you, you're ready to blow, right? Merry Christmas. It's one of the reasons why I love Thanksgiving so much. I'm serious. Now, I don't... I know it's a hassle for, you know, my wife and, you know, she does a lot of work and spends hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. And then we sit down and like piranhas and in 10, 10 minutes, we're done. And she spent all this time getting it ready. But it's really a, a beautiful time because you get into this season and it's crazy. Even, even here at a church, I mean, we got all these things coming up next week and we want to be a blessing to our community. And then you got Christmas morning and all the stuff and we're all the stuff that we do. Now the problem with worry is what it does to you. It affects you emotionally, it affects you spiritually, it affects you physically. When you, when you worry, it can literally have a physical impact on your life. How many times have you heard someone say, or maybe you said it, I'm worried sick about this or that? It's true, you can actually worry yourself to the point where you're physically sick. I know, I've done it. And I'll bet you, you have too. The stress and the anxiety and the worry. And literally, you've gotten sick because of it. Creates tension, it creates headaches, it creates insomnia. All kinds of things. I, I read somewhere the other day that just blew me away. It's estimated that Americans consume somewhere north of 80 billion headache pills each year. 80 billion. And I have no doubt that much of it is because of the worry and stress and anxiety in our lives. And probably it goes way up in, during this type of year or this season. So what do you do? Because we all worry, we all struggle with anxiety. What, what do you do? Well, God says, here's what you do. You get involved in my gift exchange program. You come and you give me all your worries. You, you come and give me all your anxieties and all that, and I'll exchange it with my peace. This is how you make it practical. You talk with God about your worries and stress because he cares about you. This is called prayer. Prayer is simply talking to God. It's telling God what's, you know, kind of going on in your life. The apostle Paul once again says, don't be anxious about anything. Nothing. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Now, you don't have to be a rocket science to understand God's, you know, direction here, do you? He's very, very clear. God says, talk to me about what's going on in your life. Give me your worry. Give me your stress. Give me your anxiety, and I'll exchange it for my peace. In other words, the exchange only happens when you take the time to build a relationship with God and talk to him about what's happening in your life. It, it, it takes time to have that kind of relationship where you go to your father in heaven and just go, wow, man, I, God, I'm just not in a good place for, whatever, for whatever, the, whatever the stuff is. 
1 Corinthians chapter 14 says, for God is not a God of disorder, but he's a God of peace. And if that God lives in you, the God of peace, if he lives in you and you don't have peace, then that's a sign that something's gone haywire in your life. God's word is true. And if you know him and God lives in you and he's a God of peace and you're not experiencing that, then, then probably it wouldn't take much for you to go, you know, and I know what the problem is. I'm not in the exchange line. I'm choosing to hang on to whatever all the stuff is instead of going, God, I'm gonna give it over to, to you. I'm really saddened by all the Christians I know that go to these meditation places. They're everywhere now. They, they have different names, but they're all basically the same thing. They're places where you go and some instructor, instructor tells you to get in some position or positions and you're to breathe a certain way and you're to clear your mind and you think about some happy place or whatever. Beloved, I want you to know in many cases, these are just very dangerous places. Very dangerous places. They open your mind up to all kinds of false teachings and crazy thoughts. Now, meditation is a good thing. It's a biblical thing. The Bible says over and over and over again, especially in the Old Testament, and it, 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 that we're to meditate. In fact, it uses the word meditate. And so you could imagine that the enemy would come along with, 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 a, with a false way of meditating. And some of these places are ran by believers. And I'm just saddened by how some of, you know, some of these crazy thoughts have entered into believers' minds and instead of just saying, hey, listen, we're going to pray. That's what we're gonna do. We're gonna do what the Bible says we're, we're supposed to do. Nowhere in here does it say you gotta get in some position um, and do something crazy or weird. Nowhere. There's nothing in here that says anything like that. But God does say, here's what you do. You come to me. Talk to me. Here's the deal. You get yourself into some position and clear your mind, and I know somebody who fill it with something. Nowhere in this book does it say you're to just empty your mind because the enemy will fill it in a heartbeat. You're always to fill your mind with this, always. Always. You fill your mind with this. You talk with God about this. Now the second great exchange is you come to Jesus and give him your pain and troubles and he exchanges it with his comfort. And this is different. In 2 Corinthians, the great apostle says, praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles. Now, beloved, this is cool because like worries, there's not one person on planet Earth that hasn't been, you know, kidney punched by some sort of pain or, or trouble. And the reason why I know this is because there's only one place that's free from pain and sorrow and trouble, and that's heaven. And we're not there yet. 
Revelation chapter 21 gives us a picture of what heaven will be like, and it says this in verse four, he, that's God, will wipe away every tear from their eye, and there will be no more death, there'll be no more sorrow, there'll be no more crying or pain. All these will be gone forever. There's coming a day when there won't be any more tears, sorrow, pain, but we're not there yet. I was talking with uh, the staff last week in our prayer time, and, and I, I was just really taken with Revelations chapter 21. And in verse 1, it says that uh, there's going to be a new heaven and there'll be a new earth, okay? Uh, the, the, the old heaven and the old earth are, are passing away. We're going to get a new one. We're going to get a brand new earth, as beautiful as these poinsettias are, and they're beautiful. They have been tainted by sin. Okay, this is a beautiful red, but that red has been tainted with sin. The grandeur of, of the redwoods, and they are just unbelievably beautiful. They have been tainted with sin. When you go to your favorite you know, spot on the ocean and you see the blue waves coming in, the water has been tainted by sin. All of creation has been tainted by sin. Not just us, but all of us. We're gonna someday get into a new heaven and a new earth. But then there's this little phrase right after that. It's very interesting. And it says, and there will be no more sea. And that was really intriguing to me. We're gonna get a new heaven and a new earth and then the Holy Spirit tells John to say that there'll be no more sea. I'm not gonna tell you what that means. You gotta go do your own little research because it is an interesting phrase why John records that there won't be any sea in heaven but there will be a river And you gotta know a little bit about Hebrew literature to understand the difference between the sea, the roaring sea, and the river. But then you get to verse four and it says, he will wipe away every tear from their eye. And here's the deal. I told my staff, I, I remember when I was a kid, I, was, I, I got ADD and man, I was just always hyper. I was always running places. I was always going places. Um, and, and I lived in an era where there, you know, you had three stations on TV, you know, 310 and 13, and, and they were all crummy anyway. And so you know, I, as a kid, man, I was out running around till late at night. I mean, it'd be just late. We literally, was a purpose for, you know, light poles back then, because kids were out playing. And we'd be under the light poles playing. We'd be down at Roosevelt Junior High playing and goofing off till late at night. And, and sometimes, you know, as a little kid, you'd fall down and skin your knee, right? And where's the first place you always ran? You ran to mommy. You ran to mommy because she'd always give you a big hug. And she'd, she'd wipe away your tear, huh? And you always felt good when you were in mom's arm and she'd wipe away that tear. Man, I'll tell you what, after she hugged you and wiped away your tear, man, I could run back out the door, goof off again until I scraped my leg again. Then I'd run back in crying <laughs> and she'd hug me and she'd wipe away my tear again. This side of glory, I've had to have a lot of tears wiped away, but there's coming a day when the king will wipe away your tear for the very last time. No more. No more having to go find mommy. No more having to go grab some tissue because the king is gonna wipe away every tear. We all be done. 
But that doesn't happen until we get to heaven. So the question isn't whether or not you're gonna have trouble because you are. The question is how you're gonna react to the troubles when they come. That's the question. How are you gonna respond to them? How are you gonna deal with the troubles? Because you have a choice. There's an old saying that goes like this, pain is inevitable, it is. We're not in heaven yet, but, but misery is optional. And it's true. In fact, I know a lot of people that have made the choice to simply be miserable over their troubles that have come into their lives. They, they choose it. You probably all know people like that. Aren't they fun to be around? They just want to talk about their misery. It's like, oh no, we got to go to their house again and hear about all their misery. You're doing this about every, you know, five minutes. Man, okay, we're leaving at nine, right? And you get there at six, and you look down at your watch and go, it's only 6.02. We've only been here two minutes. I feel like I've been here, you know, a week. Hey, look, hey, folks, I know you're going to experience pain. I get it. You're going to. We're not in heaven. You're going to skin your knee. You're going to be kidney punched. Life is going to happen to you. I get it. But you can make the choice to go, I'm going to be miserable. And no believer ought to ever make the choice that I'm going to be miserable. I get you're in pain. I talk with lots of people that are in pain. I'm in pain. And my, my wife go, gets in pain. My kids are in pain. I get it. But you make the choice of what you do with it at that moment. One of the beautiful things about Christmas is that it not only reminds us of a God who cares about us so much that he sent his son to deal with our greatest problem, sin, but it also reminds us that he came to planet Earth to give comfort to those that were in pain. In other words, God doesn't want you to be miserable. He can't do anything about the pain this side of glory. He's, there's coming a day he's going to wipe away the tear. You're going to be in pain, but this time of year reminds us that he cared so much about us that he says, hey, listen, I will come and bring comfort so that you don't have to be miserable. Listen to what the psalmist said in Psalms 34. He said, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their cry. Verse 17 says, the righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. A righteous man, a, a righteous woman may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. This is awesome. How does, a, how does this exchange happen? How do you make it work in a practical way? How do you exchange your pain, your trouble for God's grace or God's comfort in your life? Well, it's the same way, you, you know, it's the same way you, you, you get into the exchange line with worry and anxiousness. You gotta pray. The exchange only happens when you talk with God and you build, you know, you take time to build a relationship with him and talk with him about what's happening in your life. There's no, just because you're holding this, this isn't some magic thing that, you know, if, if, I'm, hold, if I'm just holding this, somehow it magically comforts me in my pain. I got, I got 20 of these at, at home. 
and I still experience pain. The, 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 the way it practically plays itself out is, is that when you're in pain, you don't get in some position and empty your mind, but you go to God. You talk with him. You let him know what's going on in your life. Verse 15 of that psalm says, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and he hear and he, his ears are attentive to their cries. In other words, God, here I am. I'm in pain. Life stinks. A loved one died. God, help me. I didn't make the deal. I don't know if I'm gonna be able to make payroll at the end of this month. You talk with him. You cry out to him. Mom, dad, let me ask you a question. When your kids are in some sort of pain, what do they do? They come running to you. Why? Because they know you, you care. They, they know you'll do whatever it takes to help them get over the pain they're experiencing. That's what every good mom and dad does. But how do they know that you care? Huh. How, how do they know that they should come running to you? They know it because they have a relationship with you. They've spent time with you. They've eaten with you. They've, they've had breakfast with you. You, you took them to school. You, you picked them up. You took them to their doctor's appointment. You spent a whole lot of time with them. You have this unbelievable relationship with them. And so guess what? They know if I'm in pain, I go see mom or I go see dad. It's, and it's all because of relationship. And Nahum Chapter one, the prophet said, the, the Lord is good, and we all know that. A refuge in times of trouble. He cares for those who trust in him. And I think the, 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 the key sentence is the second one, that he, that's God, cares for those that trust in him. And without a doubt, one of the ways you demonstrate that you trust the Lord is when you go to him and you talk to him about what's going on. I think too many times, you know, we, we, we got a good girlfriend or we got a, you know, a good buddy we hang out with and the first place we go are, are to those guys or those gals. And I think God says, okay, go, go to them. If that's, if that's who you want to go to, go. If you want to get in a position and say some weird word, go do it. Just let me know when you really want a deep peace. Let, let me know. You come to me and you cry out to me. You spend time with me. You build a relationship with me. And you're still going to have pain and sorrow and trouble. God's son had pain and sorrow and trouble. God didn't spare his own son pain and sorrow and trouble, so the likelihood's pretty good, you're not gonna escape it either. Remember the first thing Mary said when she learned that she was gonna have a baby? 
Luke chapter one, verse four says, he, that's God, has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. In other words, Mary recognized a very important thing about God, and that is this. God cares. He's mindful of what's happening in my life right now. Yeah, there may be seven billion people on the planet or whatever. Man, I got three kids in my home sometimes and they'll all start talking to me at one moment. Oh, I can be two kids. I can have two of them talking to me. And I, I'm lost, huh? Uh, hey, hey, time out, time out, one at a time. I, I can't track, and then when one's talking to me, I can't hardly track it. And so we can go, well, man, God, I mean, there's seven billion people on the planet and if they're all talking to God, how can he care about my stuff? He's not you. He's not a human being. He's sovereign. He's all powerful. And I don't know how he can do it. Seven billion people could all be talking to him at one time and God doesn't go, whoa, 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 whoa. Hang on. I'm talking with, you know, the president in the United States right now. I don't have time for your, your dumb little thing. God doesn't show favoritism. No favoritism with God. So you come to him and you can think, well, man, there's all kinds of stuff going on in the Middle East. I mean, man, God's got to deal with ISIS and all that. Yeah, he does. But he also cares about you. Right here in this pinhole on a map called Modesto, California. Looks down at my home and says, man, that guy can't even put up lights. That guy, that guy, that guy's goofed up, man. But he cares about what's happening in my life. Much as he cares about what's happening in your life. And the last gift exchange is this. You come to Jesus and you give him your mourning and your grief. And Jesus exchanges it with his joy. Psalms 30, you turn my wailing, my mourning, my, my grief into dancing. You removed my sackcloth, my mourning, my grief, and clothed me with joy that my heart may sing to you and not be silent. Now, beloved, do, do you know why we as human beings grieve? We grieve because we love. That's why we grieve. Think about it. If you love anything, a dog, a cat, a job, a dream, anything, or if you love anyone, a spouse, a child, a friend, a teacher, you're gonna grieve. Why? Because nothing lasts forever down here on planet Earth. No one lives forever in this world. And when something you love dies, like a dog or a cat or a dream or whatever, it causes grief. Or if someone you love dies, a spouse, a child, a parent or whatever, a friend, it causes grief. So the truth is we're all going to grieve because we're all going to love, right? The only way you cannot grieve is choose not to love. One of the things I, I know for sure is that during the, the Christmas season, many of you face incredible grief. I've been doing this here at Big Valley for over 30 years. For some of you, this is the first Christmas without someone you loved. 
someone you, you really cared about. Maybe it was a spouse. Maybe it was a parent. Maybe it was a child. Maybe it was a friend. And all of a sudden, it's the Christmas season, and you know, you're not going to be able to buy your dad a gift, your mom a gift. You're not going to spend time with them because they're not here. Or maybe it was a dog or a cat. I was talking with a single gal the other day, and she's had this dog that's been a big, huge part of her life for the last 15 years. She's single. Comes home every day and doesn't, doesn't didn't, for whatever reason, has chosen not to get married, so there's no husband. But she had her dog. And I'll tell you right now, every time I come home, my dog's waiting for me at the door. He's all over me. And I'll tell you what, I'm, the, I'm a hero to my dog. He knows when the garage door goes up, he goes nuts. He can hardly wait to be with him. So, so for her, she lost her dog like five months ago. And she went through a lot of grief and pain, sorrow. And now it's Christmas. And it's just kind of all flooding back into her life. And there's this huge lie out there that says this. Time heals all wounds. Have you heard that lie from the pit of hell? <laughs> oh, time does something. But this side of glory, there are some pain, some sorrow that you may deal with forever. Uh, it was uh, a number of years ago that I lost a wife in a car accident. Time has done something. There was a, a moment where, you know, I'm crying every, you know, 10 seconds. I'm praying, God, can you get me through, for, forget this day, can you get me through the next 10 minutes? And then 10 minutes later, God, uh, God, can you get me through the next five? Can I get through five more, God? Can you get me through five more? I didn't get in some weird position and empty my brain. I simply kept crying out to God over and over and over and over and over again. And then somehow, you know, it'd be a new day. Okay, God, I got a new one going here, man. Can, can you get me through breakfast? And oftentimes I would be curled up in the corner of a, a room in a fetal position just wailing. Then some time went on and, you know, now I was crying once a week. I don't know, a song would come on the radio. And I could be fine. I could be just fine. Da, 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 da. <laughs> and I'd just be bawling. I couldn't, I couldn't help it. It could be anything. I, I saw a piece of jewelry. I saw somebody, uh, whatever it was. And then, then, then it was once a month. And now, for all these years, I, I, I probably haven't cried in over a year, maybe two. But every time I gotta go do a funeral out at Lakewood, I always go by and look at the headstone. 
It's a great place to remember a great blessing of the Lord in my life. And I might get in my car and be depressed for a moment or two, but it's rare. Time does something, but it doesn't necessarily heal all wounds. This side of heaven, you're gonna have to keep wiping away tears. But there's coming a day when he'll wipe them away and that'll be it, done, no more. Look, the only way to move past your mourning and grief isn't to somehow wait until enough time goes by to start feeling better because you could waste a lifetime waiting to feel better. Some of you have wasted too much time as it is. A decade's gone by. You lost someone you loved. Too much time's gone by. You're waiting and waiting and waiting because you bought the lie that there's gonna come a moment when you'll feel better. You may never feel better, but God has a plan and a purpose for your life. I don't mean to sound insensitive. I realize there is a, a time of grieving and mourning. I get that, but after a decade, really? Two decades? I lost the love of my life, you know, 30 years ago. 30 years ago? If you know Jesus Christ as your savior, he came to exchange the mourning and the grief with his joy. You need to get in that exchange line. You need to spend some time with him. Say, man, this is, just, this is just killing me. I can't imagine my life without this person, my son, my daughter, my mom, my dad, my mom is my best friend, my girlfriend, my boy, whatever it is. I get the pain, I get it. Here's what I've discovered. When I bring my grief to God, when I spend time talking with God about my sorrow. It's during that time, my time in prayer, that it reminds me of, of, of some things. It reminds me that my time here on earth is just temporary. It reminds me that this world is not all there is because if this world is all there is, then we'd have a lot to mourn and grieve about. I join you in your pity party. Tell me the address. But this world is not all there is. Yes, there are problems in this world and struggles in this world and there are losses in this world, but we're looking forward to an eternity where there is no problems, there's no struggles, there's no losses, there's no crying, there's no pain. Every time I take my, my grief or some loss in this world and I take it to God and say, God, would you help me through this? One of the things he always does is remind me of the truth that someday I'm gonna be with him forever and eternity. And because of that, it's weird how all of a sudden the rumblings of joy will come when I think about that. When I set my mind on the truth 
Not when I empty my mind and just, you know, I'm just going, go empty. I'm in my happy spot. I'm thinking about the Bahamas. Thinking about the Bahamas. No. The Lord is the happy spot. Let, let, let him fill you with his words. And Jesus said this in John chapter 16. He said, I tell you the truth, you will weep and mourn over what is going to happen to me. The world will rejoice. You will grieve, but your grief will some suddenly turn to wonderful joy. It will be like a woman suffering the pains of labor. When her child is born, her anguish gives way to joy because she has brought a new baby into the world. So you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and then you will rejoice, and no one will be able to rob you of your joy. What a great illustration. I'm glad I grew up in the time when my wife, well, my first wife, I was in the, I was in the room there when Megan was born. I was, got remarried and had two more children. I got to be in the room for all of my children. Let me tell you something. I, I don't, I don't want to be a braggart or anything like that, but I, I was a great coach. I, I'm telling you. I, ladies, I know you guys do some pushing and all that, but let me, it is not an easy thing to be the coach. The, the breathing, breathe, breathe, breathe. Let me tell you something, there's pressure. There is a, it's a pressure-filled moment. You're laying down and, and relaxing and I'm, we're stressing. <laughs> the guy is stressing being the coach. They had to figure out a way to put stress on the, on the guy. And I'm in there, breathe, oh, breathe, okay, breathe and breathe. And, and I'm watching my wife and she's in pain and oh, this is crazy and I'm thinking, Lord, Thank you, I'm a guy. And, hey, and, I, and I'm just so thankful that I, uh, you know, and at that moment, you know, the baby, you know, shoots out of the thing there. And the next thing you know, the doctor's handed it to me with some scissors and says, hey, you want to cut the umbilical cord? And I'm thinking, what do you, what do you think? I'm paying you a million bucks to deliver. I got to do your job for you? you am I going to get a discount on this if I'm, if I'm doing some of that? I mean, let's figure this out. And, uh, and here's the thing. It's like, it's like weird, huh? Uh, bam! Screaming and yelling and, and then, and then there's this joy. She's now holding the baby. And I'm, it's just like there's the pain. I'm sure it's still there, but, but whoa, 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 everything. In a, in a nanosecond changes. And that's the illustration that Jesus is giving to his men here, but he's also giving it to us. Yes, there's pain, and yes, there's sorrow, but bam, just like a baby when it's born, man, everything will change. Everything. When the baby comes, and when you go to God and say, God, I'm just here with my pain and my sorrow, and you keep giving it to him, there comes this moment to remind you of the truth that this isn't the, our home, and someday we're going to be with him. Wow, all of a sudden, yeah, well, there's pain, but the joy comes back. Now, I could go on in, you know, telling you about all the wonderful exchange programs that you find in Scripture, but I'm going to stop at these three. You come to Jesus and Give him your anxiety and worry, and Jesus exchanges it for his peace. Number two, you come to Jesus and give him your pain and trouble, and Jesus exchanges it with his comfort. Number three, you come to Jesus and give him your mourning and grief, and Jesus exchanges it with his joy. But here's the deal. None of this matters unless you know Jesus Christ as your Savior. It all begins and ends with Jesus. All these wonderful things I've talked about revolve around Jesus Christ. 
Listen to what the shepherds said at that very first Christmas. The angel said to them, this is what the angel said to the shepherds, don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born for you. He is Christ the Lord. And that word savior isn't a word we use very often in, in our modern day English, but it's kind of a neat word. The word savior, it would mean, it'd be like this. Imagine if, um, you didn't know how to swim and you fell in the deep end of a pool and you're flailing around and man, you, you can't swim and you've gone under for the last time and all of a sudden somebody jumps in and pulls you to the side. That's a savior. They saved you. You, 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 were, you were gonna die. You were going under. You couldn't fix yourself. You couldn't save yourself. But somebody came in and saved you. The Bible tells us about our sin and how it separated us from God and there wasn't anything we could do to fix the problem. We were like, we were like being in the deep end of a pool and we were going under. And there's nobody around. But you were loved by God. That he jumped in and he pulled you to the side. He, he's the savior. It's what we all needed was a savior. And you might, you might be here tonight and you've never given your life over to Jesus Christ. I used to go to church a lot here in town, go down to First Baptist or I'd go to Modesto Covenant. And I would sit and I might have liked the music. Most of the time I was there because I liked a girl. <laughs> You'll do anything to get a girl. You can go to church. And I left, I can't even tell you how many times I left church. I didn't realize I was flaring away in the deep end. And then as I was going under, man, God opened my eyes. <laughs> and maybe you're here right now and God's opened your eyes. It wasn't me, it wasn't any music, it was God, God's the one. In his love for you, he opened your eyes to the truth. And in just a little bit, we open these doors up right here and there's a beautiful room over there with all kinds of chairs and our spiritual leaders are there, some of our pastors, our elders, and all you gotta do is walk in and say, I need the Savior. This whole thing, I think, kind of makes some sense now. I've been coming to church for a long time, but tonight, for whatever reason, it all just clicked. And that's just simply because of God's grace in your life. He opened your eyes to that truth. And so they'll be in there and take advantage of, 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 of that. And once you know Christ, there's all kinds of fantastic exchange programs, if you will, that he offers in the word. Why don't you, why don't you stand up, okay? Father, thank you, Lord, for tonight, and I'm grateful for all of these kids that gave up a Saturday night, and they'll be here tomorrow, and 
And Lord, I'm grateful for our school and the teachers and the aides and the custodial crew and the maintenance guys and gals and, and the administrative team and the coaches. And there's just so many people, all the, all the moms and dads that go in and, and help out, just helpers. And we just got a really great, great place there, Lord. And what makes it great, Lord, is because it's Christ-centered, you're in the midst of it all, and then, man, it just pours out into just godly people who serve there. Thank you, Lord, for just our time here as we looked into your word. And I hope that somehow these words would rattle around in this family's brains and hearts, Lord. That these great exchanges are available anytime, not just this time of year, but anytime. You long for your people to come, spend time with you, Lord. Father, thanks for your goodness to us, and I pray these things in your name. And all of God's people said, amen. Hey, live for, live for Christ.